Good morning, East Brainerd Church family. How are you? Hey, it is a yucky day outside, and I appreciate so much you getting up and getting all the family ready and coming to, uh, to be a part of this morning. Thanks to uh, those who are part of our welcome team. I saw umbrellas out in the parking lot this morning. And st thankful for that. So if you were able to, to come in in the drive, please be sure to, to say a thank you for, for that and for the kindness of those who are part of that, uh, that welcome group. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, it's just a fun day. Super Bowl Sunday, right? Super Bowl Sunday. It's going uh, to be exciting, but it's already been a great weekend. Uh, some of you had the opportunity to participate in a marriage enrichment afternoon and evening that was here on our campus. Special thanks to um, Sean White. I know I, I've been heckling him a lot here recently, uh, but it's just because it's so fun to do. It is. It's just so fun to do. Uh, but man, he does a great job here as a part of our staff, and he has some new responsibilities as we come into 2023. One of those, um, the main part is to is to help guide us individually as family units and to, to help us become closer in our relationship with Christ, with one another. So I appreciate him putting on uh, this, uh, the weekend that we had, and so thanks for that. And for all of you who have participated in that, the pictures online look great. Keep sharing that, and thanks again for coming to, for coming to be a part. Uh, today we have our Young at Heart Banquet. That's for our uh, senior um, members here and our young adult community. They're all going to be together. Okay, so our senior adult fellowship group, they're going to be um, with our young adult community. That's going to be in the Family Life Center, so don't forget about that. That's going to be an exciting time. That's really good. Coming up, uh, what, this week we're going to have Father's Table. That's going to be going on on Wednesday. We're going to be doing a food distribution. So a lot of things that are happening. And then next Saturday, uh, next Saturday we're going to be hosting uh, on the campus of Boy Buchanan, uh, we're going to be hosting some individuals who are part of World Bible School. And so if anyone here would like to um, participate in helping others study through Scripture, you're welcome to go and be a part of, of that event that's going to be going on at Boy Buchanan on Saturday afternoon. And, and then there will be a, another time to get that information here on Sunday for our uh, church family. Others are going to be invited to what's going to be going on Saturday, but we're going to be doing the same thing here Sunday afternoon as well. So if you have an interest in, in learning about how to help others walk through Scripture, then we encourage you to go and to, and to be a part of that. So a lot of things going on, a lot of things that are happening, uh, but tonight a lot of attention is on, is on the Super Bowl. So I just want to do a quick survey here. Quick survey, just show of hands, all right, show of hands. Uh, how many people here watch the Super Bowl for the actual game? All right? All right, Boomer. There we go. There you are. That, that's, that's, who we, that's who we know, who all the Boomers are that are in here, because there are others. How many of you watch it for the commercials? All right? I got it missed. I missed the Budweiser Frogs, okay? I don't know if the preacher can say that or not, but I just did. I miss. The Budweiser, uh, I miss the Budweiser frogs, I really do. Now, uh, one more, how many of you watch it for the halftime show? All right, halftime show, just keep your hands up so I know who needs to come forward publicly and repent this morning. <laughs> just keep them raised, all right, just keep them raised, okay. All right, that's, that's, that's good, <laughs> that is good. Hey, um, look, um, I want us to look at a Super Bowl passage of Scripture today. 
It's in your New Testament. It's the letter that was written to a group that we know as the Ephesians. It's, it's a series of verses that was written by the, the original goat, the Apostle Paul, that speaks to what, for I think Christians, is a game changer, all right? So, but before we kick this off, I want us to remember that last week, last week we learned that there is one thing that should matter most to a Christian. There is something that should matter most to a Christian. Paul wrote to a group of Christ followers, and they were struggling with how to express their faith. How did their faith in Jesus need to, to show itself and demonstrate itself? And some thought it was by practicing portions of the Jewish religious code known as the Law of Moses. And so they were insisting that new followers of Jesus began to practice certain Jewish traditions. And one of them specifically that Paul references is circumcision. These individuals had a Jesus plus theology. A Jesus plus theology. Where it was Jesus plus the Law of Moses. It was Jesus plus ritual. It was Jesus plus circumcision. But Paul took issue with this, and so he told them their reliance on religious ritual and tradition in order to gain favor with God would actually, he said, have the opposite effect. They would actually be cut off. They would be separated from Christ, and he says that reliance on ritual would indicate that they had, he says, fallen from God's grace. So after he tells the Galatians that keeping these rituals and traditions found in the law of Moses had zero benefit to them, he declares there is one thing. There is one thing that counts. There is one thing that matters. There is one thing that is supreme, and it is, if you wouldn't mind, why don't we read what is in bold, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. One more time, all together. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Now guys, this version of Christianity allows my thoughts each day to revolve around two things. Who and how. Who will I welcome into my life and how will I share God's love with them? I don't have to be worried about anything else when it comes to practicing my religion. Because the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. I believe, therefore, I, I love. Now, now, these were the playoff verses, all right? L last week was a part of the playoffs, and, and this week we're moving into the Super Bowl of verses, okay? Here it is. Open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to look over Paul's shoulder as he tells a group of Christians about his prayer for them. And as you read this prayer, I want you to keep in your mind who and how. Because it's what brings us to this point. Let's pick up with what we call verse 16. Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all of the Lord's people, to grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love 
that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul is telling these followers of Jesus that he is praying on his knees before God that they will have the strength after a long and hard season to grasp and intentionally take hold of not the Lombardi trophy, not some silver trinket, but to take hold of the love of Christ. And he says he wants them to know this love. But the word know, as it's used here, doesn't mean to gain a mental understanding of. It means to grasp. It means to take hold. It means to experience. You see, Paul wants, for, Paul wants for these people to have a personal encounter with the love of Christ. And he prays, he prays this because he knows that if they are able to have a personal encounter, if they are able to experience the love of Christ, that it will result in them being filled and overflowing with God. They're going to be complete. They're going to be mature. They're going to be perfected. They're literally going to be Christ-like. And Paul, I mean, he is pumped by this prayer. He's excited by what he is praying. And so he finishes with a crescendo. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And I wonder sometimes, I wonder sometimes why it is that when Paul talks about knowing Christ's love, that he gets so excited, he can hardly contain himself. But when we hear about it, we're more tempted to yawn than to dance. But when we read this passage, there's this Super Bowl of Scripture right here. And we go, eh. And we don't really get it. We know it, but we don't get it. And I don't know, maybe it's because in our lobby, maybe it's because in our lobby, we have herbal tea packets that are labeled sweet dreams. Did you guys know this? Do you know that? We really do. Uh, we really do. It, it says sweet dreams, rela a relaxing blend of comforting chamomile and soothing mint. Now, I'm really not for sure how I feel about having this in our lobby, you know, and having all of you drink this right before we come in, you know, and we're praising God, and I'm like, all right, open your Bibles, and this is going to be exciting, you know, and I don't know. It does explain some of your actions. I'm just going to be honest. I, I figured it out. I'm like, oh, this is it. But don't be surprised if next week communion takes a little bit like Red Bull, all right? I'm just going to tell you. If, yeah. If you just get a, a little hint, I don't know, I'm just, just saying. Uh, we really do. These are, I know, and some of you are like, I didn't know we had that. Take it home with you. It'd be great. Take a lot of it home with you. Get rid of it. Go, go ahead. You know, but in truth, uh, there, there's so many things in the Bible that just do not hit us and have the impact and the, and the wow factor that I, I really think they should. We, re we read these words, but they don't elicit the same feelings that were felt by, by the original readers. And, and we talked about this a little bit, if you were a part of our, our meal and a message uh, last month. We talked a little bit about this. And, and so we read Paul's prayer, but we just don't get it. And it's the same for those of us who only know 
only know the civil rights movement through history books. But go talk to Bo Walker, who was raised in Selma, Alabama. And there's a different impact. Or think about and remember 9-11 when planes crashed into the towers and to the Pentagon and there into a field in Pennsylvania. Remember that Tuesday and remember sitting in front of the television. Or COVID-19 and how COVID-19 brought sickness and lockdowns and cancellations and masks and, and social distancing and heartache. And unless you experience these things, unless you experience them, unless you were there, you really don't understand. And it's not just these, these heavy, weighty moments through our history. It's other things as well. Farrah Fawcett's hairdo. Unless you experience that, you don't really get it, right? Parachute pants, Brandon Daniel, I know you have parachute pants. You had some. Unless you wore those, you don't know the joy of all of those Zippers and everything that was there. Cabbage Patch Kids. Man, unless you had to go stand in line for those things, right? Taylor Swift tickets. That's what people stand in line for today. TikTok videos. Unless you experience these things, you just don't understand. And so Paul says, look, this is what I want for you. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, he says, this is what I want. I just, I just don't want you to know that you are loved by Christ. I want you to experience Christ's love. It's like this. I know that the molecular structure of, of water is a combination of two molecules of hydrogen and one molecule of, of oxygen. It's H2O. I know that. I, I've learned that. But that doesn't do very much for me on a really hot day in August after I, I've been outside and I, I've been working around the house and I've been mowing grass and, and when I swallow, there's just this dry ache on the inside of my mouth. I could care less about what I learned in chemistry class. Sorry, I know, we got chemistry teacher extraordinaire right here. Um, uh, I could care less about what I learned in chemistry class about water, the chemical formula, because my understanding does not quench my thirst. My need is not for a deeper study into the meaning of water. That's not why I go into the house and open up the refrigerator. My need is not about the knowledge of water. I need water. And I prefer if it's ice cold. I don't need knowledge about it. And friends, if you know that Jesus loves you, Jesus loves me, this I know. If you know that Jesus loves you, but you have never experienced his love, it's like someone who studies water without drinking it. So there are four dimensions of Christ's love that Paul prays that we might experience. The first is its width. And the width of Christ's love may be the most obvious thing that separates the love that is that of Jesus with the love that, that we often have. You see, we love certain people, but not others. But Jesus, but, but God, you, you understand, God loves everybody. He really does. We love certain people, but there are certain people who are like, I don't think so. And it's why we said last week that faith expresses itself by accepting and welcoming others. That's one of the ways you show that that, that love is coming from your faith. But you say, well, but Chris, what about, what about the drunk driver? What about the abuser? 
Jesus loves them. What about the person who struggles with their sexuality? What about the, what about the person who, who struggles with addiction? Jesus loves them too. He loves the liar, the gossip, the bigot, and the adulterer. He loves the person who hurt you or your family. He's actually crazy about them. You see, Christ's love is much wider than ours. Now, now, now look, understand, he hates simple behaviors. And he often hates my behavior and, and your behavior. But his love is so wide. His love is so wide that it still encompasses us. And he longs to set us free from, from the greed and the selfishness and the pride and all of those other ugly secret behaviors in order that we could be more like him, filled with the very fullness of God so that no matter what we've done, no matter what we become, he longs for us to experience his love's width and its length. This is the second dimension that Paul highlights. Now, it's most likely a, a time reference that Christ's love is a forever and always kind of love. It, it, it's not a, a middle school love. It isn't just available on Sundays either. There, there are no regular business hours for Christ's love. and It doesn't take holidays. It, it also means that Christ's love doesn't give up. It, it's more enduring, even more enduring than a James Cameron movie. It just keeps going and going and going. And by the way, Avatar, that newest movie, The Way of Water, did you know that it's over three hours long? Three hours! And Jesus said, I will never ever leave you nor forsake you. My love will keep going and going because with Jesus, his love is wide. It embraces everyone. His love is so long that it will never let us go. But there's more. Paul says, look, I want you to be sure also to experience love's height. And the Bible uses this word for me in many different ways. It's oftentimes used to express just the, the actual measurement of something. Like this table is about three feet high. It also is used to reference the utmost of something. And when Paul uses this to describe Christ's love, he means the quality of his love. It surpasses anything that we've ever known. And you know, people, we tend to like to try the best of everything. Think about coffee. Think about, uh, think about the coffee. A lot of you guys, and you show up here with your coffee, right? I mean, you, you, you don't come without your coffee because maybe you know that you're going to be also having some sweet dreams. I don't know. But you come with your coffee, and if you don't come with your coffee, we've got coffee here, here for you. But some, for some of you, our coffee is not good enough. Our coffee is not good enough. And it's either the coffee that you make at home or it's the coffee that you stop and pick up on the way because, well, you want to have your coffee the way that you like it. And it used to be that if you wanted coffee, you just got coffee. But then there came decaf. And then there came flavored coffee. And now people will gladly pay two or three or even more times per pound of gourmet coffee more than that they would pay this regular coffee all because why? Well, I want the best. And I want to be able to have my mocha, frappo, crappuccinos, you know, and, and be able, able to enjoy that and have it with me all the time. We want the best. And human beings crave love even more than they crave coffee. Did you realize that? We, we want the best of love more than we even want the best of coffee. And Paul says, in Christ, we can experience the richest, the highest, the purest, and the finest love imaginable. And not only that, it's a lot cheaper than a cup of coffee. The love of Christ is free. And anybody who wants to have it can have all they want. 
The love of Christ is so wide that it embraces everyone. It is so long-lasting that it will never let us go. And it is so high. It's the highest quality and it will never let us down. It's wide, it's long, it's high. And Paul says that it's also deep. The word is used in Scripture to describe the depths of the sea or, or the depths of a miry pit. The depth of Christ's love reaches to the deepest part of our being. And some of you guys, you're more open than others, and you're more willing to, you're more willing to share about yourselves more freely. But each and every one of us, we all have these locked closets, these locked spaces in our lives that we don't even share to those who are closest to us. And mostly we keep these areas locked off because we're afraid that if others actually see who we are or what we thought, if people really knew about us the way that we know about us, well, they wouldn't love us anymore. If they really got to see deep down into our ugly parts, they wouldn't love us anymore and so we just can't risk it. Paul says that Christ's love is deeper than our deepest secrets. It can penetrate the darkness of our worst fears. It, it cleans out the closets of sin and despair and self-hatred. The love of Christ is, is so wide and embraces everyone. It is so long-lasting it will never let us go. It is of such high quality that it will never let us down. And it is deep enough to meet our deepest need and to be known as we are truly known. Guys, this is the love that Paul wants Jesus' people to encounter. This is the love that he wants us to, to know, to experience, not just to have heard about, but to have personally experienced. And so the natural question for us then is, all right, well, how? I mean, how does this happen? How do I experience this width and length and height and depth of Christ's love? Tell me. Well, I got to tell you that for, for years, I, I, I believe that this happened when, when a person was baptized. I thought that when a person was baptized, when a person buried their old life of sin and, and then they were, were raised to a new life in Christ, that that's when the fullness of Christ's love was, was felt. But then I read my Bible. And I read a little closer. And I realized that the original recipients of Paul's prayer had already been baptized. They'd already been baptized. And yet Paul was praying that they would still experience the love of Christ. So it's not in baptism. It's not baptism then how a person fully experiences that love. And so you say, all right, well, well, well if, if that's not it, if, if, it's not when, if it's not when we understand, wow, God loves me and, and God is willing to, to, to rescue me from my sin and, and God is willing to give me a new life and, and a new purpose, if that's not when I experience the fullness of Christ's love, then when? Well, I think the answer is right here, it's right here in your Bible. It's right here in the text that, we, that we've been reading. We first peeked over Paul's shoulder, and we began reading in what in our Bible is verse 16. But I want us to back up just a little bit to Paul's introduction of this prayer that actually begins in verse 14. All right, look what it says. He writes, when I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father. So he tells them there's something that is about to motivate this prayer. It's not just an accident that he prays for them to experience the fullness of of God through the love of Christ. He's being intentional. He's doing it on purpose. And there is something that's motivating him. And his motivation is, he says, all of this. He says, when I think of all of this, and he's like, well, okay, well, what is all of this? Well, it's all this that he's just been writing. 
You see, he's just been telling the Ephesians about God's plan. He's been telling these Christians about God's plan, how that God's plan was there in the beginning. It was there for them to have an equal sharing in God's promise between Jews and non-Jews. That God's plan from the beginning was there to be an equal sharing, that they would all be heirs in Christ. And look, now again, I know there's too much historical distance for us to appreciate what he's saying. We, we don't appreciate the hatred and disdain and the suspicion that these groups had for one another. So I want you to think about something, maybe, or someone that perhaps you have grown up and you've been encouraged or taught to hate or to hold in suspicion. So think about an American and a Russian. Think about North and South. Maybe for you it's black and white or Democrat and Republican, gay and straight, the University of Alabama and everyone else. Think of someone or think of some group who you think, God will save me, but I have my doubts about them. Now hear Paul say that together you will share equally in God's inheritance. Does that hit you a little differently? Does it hit you differently to think that, that you might be heirs along with Christ? with a person or with a group that you have always heard is less than? If you're starting to feel a little bit of the weight of Paul's message, um, I hope you let that just press on you a little bit here. And then listen to what he says in verse 10 because it's so important. He says that God's intentional plan was that this equality would be lived out and witnessed in this thing that, that is called the ecclesia. The called out. You know it is church. And there it is. There's our answer. That, that's the answer that, that we're looking for. That, that's what answers our question. God's purpose in bringing Jews and Gentiles together was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety. Literally it says it is God's multi-colored wisdom. Where Jews and Gentiles... We're men and women, we're young and old, we're black and brown and white, we're Democrat and Republican, we're gay and straight, Alabama fan and every other fan would all be able to be one in Christ. And Paul says, when I think about all this, when I think about what God has done, and when I think about the community of faith that he has called together, I fall to my knees and I pray that you may have the power with all of the Lord's people, because you have been rooted and you have been grounded in love. And I pray that you'd be able to grasp how wide and how long and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Guys, it is Paul's prayer that we will experience the fullness of Christ's love right here. In church. That we would experience the width, the length, the height, the depth of Christ's love here among the family of God. 
But here again, here is where it's so hard. Because when we think of church, oftentimes we just think about an institution. But when Paul talks about church, he thinks about a family. A family where each member is an equal heir in the promises of Christ. A family where the width and length and height and depth of Christ's love is fully experienced. You see, only a limited few were actually able to experience Christ's love firsthand. But God did not want the world to miss out on the joy that his love brings. And so in his wisdom, he brought together in a spiritual family a people who, though they are different, are equal. And those people who display heaven on earth are expected to be the most welcoming and the most understanding and the most forgiving and the most trusting and the most patient and the most kind and the most hopeful, in a word, the most loving community that the world has ever seen. Friends, it is a sin if people find more love at the local bar than in the local church. It is a sin if people find more love in the community centers that are all around us, in the online chat rooms, than they find here within the family of God. It just is. And so every time you accept someone into this family, no matter their background, or the sin that they struggle with, the width of Christ's love is felt. And every time you offer forgiveness and patiently walk with another person who has hurt or disappointed you, no matter how long it takes, the length of Christ's love touches another. And every time you refuse to gossip and you refuse to put down and you refuse to belittle and you refuse to treat someone by the values of this world, then the height of Christ's love, it's shared. And every time you refuse to let another's sin, to let another's pain, scare you away, the depth of Christ's love is on full display. And the church is filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Friends, there should be no social community. There should be no fraternal order. There should be no place. There should be no place that a person can go and be loved more than the church of God. Have you ever thought about why people come to faith in Christ? Is it because someone had a brilliant argument that convinced them of the truth? I suppose that it happens. But more often it's because they experience the fact that Jesus is just crazy about them. Crazy about them. And the way they experience this is when Jesus' people, who have been marinated in Jesus' love, Share and spread that love to others. So let me ask you again. Let me ask you again what I asked you last week. How would our world be different if tomorrow every single person, when they got up, asked the questions, who and how? Who can I welcome 
into my life? And how can I love them like Jesus? The problem is, asking who and how is not really the focus of the majority of the people in this world. Have you noticed that? It's just not. But asking who and how is supposed to be the focus if you're a follower of Jesus. It is. You see, the church is not where we learn that Jesus loves us. The church is to be where everyone experiences the width and the length and the height and the depth of Jesus' love. So who will experience the love of Jesus because of you today? Who will experience that love through you? Is it going to be somebody that's sitting right there with you? Are they, are they in front of you? Are they behind you? Are they on the same pew? Is it going to be someone that you pass in, in the halls? Is there going to be a conversation that you hear that, that you decide, you know what, I, I need to butt into this, not to be rude, but in order to love? Is it because of a conversation that you're going to have where you get past, hey, are you for the Eagles or the Chiefs? And you dig a little bit deeper? Is it going to be because of of something that goes on in the parking lot? Is it going to be because of someone that you meet today at, 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 the, at this banquet that's going to be going on that's all about, all about love, right? Is it going to be something that happens this week? Someone that comes into your office? Is it going to be someone that, that's standing behind you in line when you're at the grocery store? Someone that sits down at your table at lunch if by just some crazy thing you allow somebody different to sit down at your table at lunch? Who's going to experience Jesus' love through you. Because here's the thing, guys. If someone doesn't experience that love through me, if someone doesn't experience that love through you, they will only know that Jesus loves them. And they can sing the song, but they will never experience the joy. Father, I pray that the joy of your love will be manifest in this place. That the joy of your love would be not just talked about, not just studied, not just something that's highlighted in our Bibles, but the joy of your love would be something that would be expressed daily, not just on Sundays, not just on times we're together as a group, but Father, when, when we're separated and we're in different places, but we're keeping our text chains going and, and we're sending messages and we're, we're checking in on people. And that that joy, the joy of your love would be would be seen wherever it is that we go because the church is not just here in this building, at this place. The church is wherever you send us. And so our prayer today would be that that joy, the joy of your love, would be witnessed, would be experienced by people today and by others tomorrow and for this week. People that we don't even know are in need of your love. People who have heard that you love them but people who have never truly experienced that love through another. Father, thank you for pouring your love out upon us. Thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus. Thank you for the depths that he went to. Thank you for the fact that, that you desired for your fullness to be poured out upon us. Help us not to keep that to ourselves. And Father, let us celebrate the love that you have given us. And Father, may we allow others to experience that through each of us. And Father, if we need to repent this morning, 
Father, if we need to repent because we have withheld love, if we need to repent because we have thought that there are some that you could love and others that you just couldn't, Father, if we need to repent because we have refused to, to love as wide or to love as long, to love as high or to love as deep as Jesus, then, Father, may we, may we humbly come before you, confessing that sin. And then will you immediately give us another opportunity to love like you. It's the name of Jesus and the one who demonstrated your love, we pray. Amen. Church, that is the Super Bowl. That is the climax. That is the biggest game. That is the one that everybody should have their eyes focused on. It's the love that you and I share. Maybe you want to experience that love firsthand this morning. You want to be welcomed into this family. You would love to have that experience. You would love to be baptized into Christ because you say, you know what? I, I want to I put away that, that sinfulness. I, I want to live for Jesus. I want to know that there is a relationship I can have with him, and I want to be part of, I want to be part of this church family. We'd love for you to come this morning. We'll celebrate with you. Maybe you need to talk with someone privately. One of our elders will be in our prayer room located just outside in our lobby if you just like some private time and some private prayer. Or maybe you just need to sit right there or as we sing. You don't even need to stand. You just need to sit and you just need to have a little talk with Jesus. Or maybe you do need to stand and you need to lift up your voices and praise God for the love that he has given you and the love that you are going to share today. Would you stand and give him praise?